Guys, I just want to thank you so much uh, for retreats like this. It's it's just really cool to get away for a weekend like this um, and be able to experience ministry with a lot of our other brothers in Christ that are all around the nation. Um, to know that there are other men outside of our church that are uh, willing to sacrifice and the same things that we're doing. Uh, today we're talking specifically about dating um, and how those relationships are beneficial, uh, not just to us, but to you and to uh, our churches. And uh, I just pray that we can uh, have an open mind and open heart about what we're about to hear and uh, just that we can continue this retreat and have this passion to turn the tide when we get home, to change some things, change our lives, to ultimately change other people's lives, to uh, just do things the way you call us to do them, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So we're talking about dating today. Um, how many of you are married? All right. You all got you all got to the beach and just have a have a jolly little time. We don't need you in here. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, no. So I mean, that was quite a few people uh, actually. And so when you guys think about the ideas that we're going to talk about today with dating, a lot of things that we're going to talk about aren't just specifically for people who aren't married. You know, there are a lot of qualities and traits inside of marriage. They should be reflected in your dating relationships, and then after you get married, they should be continued. Um, and honestly, in my relationship, more times than not, we've thought about dating uh, more after we got married. There were so many things that we'd fight about because a lot of times once you got married, you would, you kind of lose that spark. You know, So um, for you married folk, don't tune yourselves out just yet because we got some stuff for you too. All right, so why is this important, the whole idea of talking about dating? You know, as men, we are naturally prideful, and we don't want to talk about our dating relationships. We don't want to have that um, going on. We think we can do what we want to do, and we think we can handle what we can handle. We know what we should have and what we shouldn't have. Well, if you look at the statistics in the world, um, the majority of us, I got some good news and bad news. The majority of us, who's single in here or is not married? Who's not married? There we go. Good news for you boys. Statistics show in the next four to six years, y'all be married. All right, majority of you guys will be married, right? So there's hope, right? You want to be a statistic in some things, right? Bad news is, is that half of the people in this room that hear my voice will be divorced at some point in their life, right? And that's pretty crazy. The people in this room that hear my voice, the statistics show that half of you will be uh, separated at some point in your life from your marriage. And so that is why we need to have classes like this at retreats like this, is because something's got to change. Apparently, we've had conferences. We've had Christian conferences for years. You know, this is the eighth or ninth year that we've done it here. You know, they have Christian conferences all over the world. They have these huge, you know, Tulsa workshops that we've been to, and just even outside of the ministries that we do. Other Christians in different parts of the, in different parts of the nation, they do huge conferences. They have thousands of hundreds of thousands of people show up to these things, yet the statistic doesn't change. So it proves that just because you become a Christian doesn't mean your marriage or your dating relationships are going to be perfect. So there's a huge sense that if we are going to turn the tide and we are going to be men that have families and raise up families that don't separate and that we're going to have kids that are going to follow God, we've got to have this idea that this is important. This is real and it's serious and it's just as important as your relationship with God if you think about it in certain sense. Because, I mean, honestly... Uh, the most important decision in your life is who you're going to serve, right? You're going to serve self. You're going to serve God. You're going to serve sports. That's the most important decision in your life is who you're going to serve. The second important decision in your life, number two, is who you're going to serve with. Who you're going to choose to serve with in your life. And so when you think about that, 
this is a breakout lesson. You know, it's a guy's lesson. It's not a keynote thing. But it's, it's one of the most important things that you're going to need to deal with in your life before you choose to be who you're going to be and marry who you're going to marry and raise up what you're going to raise up. Because at a certain point, you won't have any control over what your kids are if you didn't choose the right person to serve with. You can't blame your kids because you chose yourself to marry somebody that's not going to be in that position. Or you chose to date somebody. You can't decide you're going to walk away and blame it on a spouse or a girlfriend. It ultimately was up to you to decide what you did in the first place. All right? Um, and so the scripture that we have, and it's in, it's in your guys' uh, booklets that you guys got, was Nehemiah. Okay? Nehemiah 13, 23 through 27. And so when we look through this verse. I'm just going to read it out loud. It says, In those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half their children were speaking the language of Ashdod and some other place. And they couldn't speak the language of Judah. I argued with these people, put curses on them, hit some of them, and pulled out their hair. I forced them to make promises to God, saying, Do not let your daughters marry the sons of foreigners, and do not take the daughters of foreigners as wives for the sons of, your, as, of yourselves. Foreign women made King Solomon sin. There was never a king like him in any of the nations. God loved Solomon and made him king over Israel, but foreign women made him sin. And now you are not obedient when you are doing this evil thing. You are unfaithful to our God when you marry foreign women. That's pretty harsh. Just put it right out there. Nehemiah, if you look at what he said that he did to these, these dudes, he argued with these people, put curses on them, hit them, and pulled their hair out. For dating and marrying non-Christians, you know? And to think about how far that went, Sometimes I wish that I could do that with some of our men, right? You choose to go out into the world and you choose to find these women. And you choose to date them. And then you either leave or you let them pull you away. Or these things go on. And I know, especially for me and maybe some of the leaders in this room that you guys follow under, they feel the same way. Like, man, I just wish I could beat the mess out of this kid because he has no idea what he's getting himself into. You know, and if you look back at this time in history... They would, they would literally do that stuff. They would shave people's head. And they did that as a form of shame to show that what you were getting yourself into was so messed up that the people needed to know. And I know, like I, like I said, for me, and I'm sure for some of the other leaders in this room, we've been in that same spot where we've been like, you, something's got to change, man. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. And for some of us, we may have looked at that and like, that's, I mean, that's a bit extreme for somebody that I'm going to date. That's pretty crazy, you know? But honestly, if you guys don't understand what you're going to get yourselves into, and for some of the men who maybe have been remarried in this room, you know that you would rather have something like this happen to you than to say I do to somebody that you do not want to say that to 10 or 15 years down the road. When you look back and regret it, you, you are thinking, man, I wish somebody would have beat the crap out of me. I wish somebody would have shaved my head and showed the world that this was not what I needed to do. And so Nehemiah is coming to these people, and we all know the story of Nehemiah, that he went to Judah to rebuild. And a lot of times we look at that as like, yeah, man, he rebuilt the city uh, pretty quick. But when you think about Nehemiah, he didn't just go to rebuild a city. He went to rebuild a, a nation. He went to rebuild the people, not just the physical barriers that were on the walls of Jerusalem. He went to go in there and change people's lives. And so that's why he's so passionate about what he's talking about here is he's saying, if we're going to change this statistic, you all got to do something different. You all got to look at something different in your lives, and it's not just the walls. You got to look at what you're choosing to do with the women that you're around, the families that you're going to raise up and you're going to live. 
and it gets so intense that he has to do some pretty pretty crazy crap, beating these people up, shaving their heads. He he's got to do what he's got to do to get the, the to get the point across. And that's why I want you guys to start with tonight or today is just to understand that God didn't create us to be alone. It says that in Genesis. It says that God did not create man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. But if you cannot get this fact in your head and if you cannot listen today, you're going to be alone. And I'm not just talking to single people. That's for the married people too. If you can't get this idea in your head that you don't know what dating is supposed to be like, you will be alone in your marriage. So we all need to ha- make sure that we have open ears when we're talking about some of these things. Um, so you, we, we all know that this is a serious topic. And that's something that if we're going to have these ministries that are going to boom and explode, and we're going to have these churches that are just going to grow ex- exponentially, we have got to be men who know where to go to date, who to date, and why we should date. So that's what we're going to jump in with. All right? So how many of you, let's see how many of you guys are bold enough to say this. How many of you have never been in a relationship? Come on, guys. Get with the program. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right? Y'all need to catch up. I've been dating since the fourth grade, all right? I've been dating since I could barely walk, all right? And I actually got a funny story about that. So in the fourth grade, (laughs) there was this girl who invited me to a birthday party. And obviously I was like, yes, like I'm going to a a girl's birthday party. And all the boys in class were like, ooh, you're going to a birthday party, you know? And so I went to it, and I thought I was going to be like, me and this girl, I'm going to her house for a birthday party. And I show up, the whole class is there. Everybody in the class, because it's like one of those things, you know, when you're in school and someone's like, well, if you're going to give somebody in the class a treat, you got to give everybody a treat. So then I found out she didn't really want me to go to her party. She just wanted to invite everyone. She wanted to invite a few of her friends, so she had to invite everybody, you know. And back in the day, she get, I mean, she gave us these little uh, McDonald's cups, these little plastic McDonald's cups filled with candy. And on the bottom of the cup, it was the brand, I guess, or the molding of where the cup came from. And the, the cup was, came from this company called Sweetheart. And I looked at this cup at the bottom. I was like, man, this girl gave me a cup that says sweetheart. She wants to be my girlfriend for sure. All right? And so I looked at this cup, and it wasn't, like, written on there. Like, it was molded on there. But for me in fourth grade, I don't know that. I was like, this girl made me a cup that says sweetheart. I'm going to ask her to be my girlfriend. You know? So the next day the next day at school, I ask her. And she says, yeah, I'll be your girlfriend. And, like, I'm all, I'm, you know, fourth grade. I mean, I'm all psyched about it. And I, I mean, I'm a PE teacher too, so like I, I see fourth graders every day, and I look at their relationships, and I'm like, you guys are so stupid. <laughs> you guys think that you guys have found love and, you, and whatever. So I was like, I, that's what I used to be like. And then I literally remember that same day I asked her to be my girlfriend. That was the same day she broke up with me. <laughs> right after school, right? So right after school, we're waiting on the bus, and I'm like, right, I'm right next to the bus, and I'm just sitting here waiting for her. And she comes up, and she's like, why are you looking at me like that? I was like, because you're my girlfriend. <laughs> and I'm just bobbing back and forth. And she goes, uh, no, I want to break up with you now. And then that was it, you know? So at fourth grade, my heart was crushed, and there was no coming back. All right? Since then, that's where that's where the struggle started with women. All right? Um, so, um, that yeah, for me, that's where it started. But when we think about why we date, okay, um, I want you guys to kind of just understand whenever I'm talking about why I did date, for you guys that are Christians in this room, you need to write this down as a topic as why you did date, not why you do date, because we're going to talk about what you should look at future for now. So these are the things that you used to date for, because I'm hoping that after this, after this lesson, you're going to look at these things and say, yeah, that's what I used to do, 
and here's what I need to do. Okay? So, um, for me, you know, some of the reasons that I dated growing up was, one, it's because everybody that's what everybody talked about. You know, when you got in high school, that was just what everybody talked about. Who you're dating, who you're going out with, who you're hitting, who you're not, who, all, all that stuff. That's what, that's what everybody wanted to talk about. And if you wanted to fit in, you'd be talking about girls too, right? Um, for me specifically, another thing was loneliness. That was one of the things that uh, hit me pretty hard was just, you know, my mom worked a lot. She worked two jobs. My dad wasn't in the picture. So I just wanted somebody to be around me a lot. And I'm hoping that some of these topics may be some things that you can circle or highlight and be like, yeah, like this is, some of, this is one of the things that struck out for me too. Um, like I said, my dad was in the house, so dad issues, you know, daddy issues. I was a guy that had daddy issues. Um, there was a void that was left whenever I was really little. He was an alcoholic. And so I looked at uh, women and I said, there's something missing in my heart. Maybe, maybe these women can fill it, you know. Maybe I can throw a girl in there and then I can forget about my dad and uh, the girl can just kind of fix all those problems. So I had a lot of dad issues growing up and I thought maybe that was something that I needed to fix. Um, love, right? You know, not many guys think about this. This is more like a girl thing you think about on the outside. But if we were to look on our inside, some of us men are like, I just want true love. You know, I want to find that one. I want the notebook to be the story of my life. Y'all, y'all acting like you don't watch the notebook, but I know some of you, and I know y'all love that movie. Y'all make sure you ain't looking, make sure nobody else is in the house, and you go in the room. You just pop that movie on with some popcorn and start crying your, crying your eyes out, right? Um, we want love. We want true love. We want to find love at first sight. We want a girl look at us the same way we look at them, right? We want to have that same relationship with one another. Um, and then for me, too, like I said, for me, I, I, needed, I wanted my future to be changed. I grew up in a family that nobody stayed married, multiple divorces, multiple kids by multiple moms and dads. My mom, I have... Uh, I have four siblings between three different fathers, and we all grew up together because we stayed with our mom. But she had remarried two or three times. Um, I just didn't want that life. And I look at my siblings now, many of them have been married and divorced and have kids themselves with multiple men or women. And I just look at the family that I have, and I'm just like, I don't want to be anything like that. And this was way before I even became a Christian. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to be something totally different. I'm going to fall far away from this tree and then get in a bus and keep driving. Like, I don't want anything to do with my family. And so, um, some of you guys just want to change your future. You guys feel like you're predetermined to live a certain life, and you don't want to live that life. You don't want to be a product of your environment. You want to be something better. And some of those things are good. They're good things to want. You should want love. You shouldn't want to marry somebody that you don't love. You know, you should want something different for your life, something better for your life. But ultimately, all those points are all things that you do for yourself so why did you date simple selfishness you chose to date people to see what you could get out of it like I said some of those things are good but if that's why you date then you're not going to get the point of dating so um, just understanding that when you chose to date, it was out of pure selfishness. That's the non-Christian viewpoint of dating. And if you look in the Bible, there are plenty of examples of this. You know, we look at, you know, if we look back up at Nehemiah, he talked about Solomon. He said, foreign women made King Solomon sin. There was never a king like him in any of the nations. God loved Solomon and made him king, but foreign women made him sin. 
And if you look, if you go find that in Solomon, about Solomon in 1 Kings, in 1 Kings 11, 2 through 4, it talks about Solomon. It says, the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not marry people of other nations. If you do, they'll cause you to follow other gods. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like it's a very hard concept to find. It's not like God's like, read through all these scriptures and then try to go find somebody that can interpret them for you. He's pretty much saying, if you date people who aren't Christians, they are going to cause you to fall away. What does Solomon do instead? But Solomon fell in love with these women. He had an excuse to continue to date these women. And so what does he do? He gets a wife. Not just one, though. Anybody know how many? 700 wives. David go, or Solomon goes out and says, but I love these women. I need 700 of them. But that ain't even enough. He needs 300 slave women who are going to give birth to his kids. And then that last point, which, surprise, surprise, his wives caused him to turn away from God. Who saw that one coming? Let's just read a verse ahead, and, you know, this is, this is some uh, fifth grade stuff right here. Cause and effect. Samson and Delilah. We all know the story. We're all men. We've all heard about Samson, how strong he is, and I just want to be like Samson one day, minus what he did with women. Just a strong man. His hair, us guys with receding hairlines. We we envy Samson, man. We just we want we want some hair. <laughs> we just want that luscious hair back, right? Um, but you look at Samson, what does he do? Acts like a caveman. Me, woman, Philistine, woman, now, bring her. What does dad say? Can you just find one woman here in Israel? Find just anyone. You could have any woman in Israel. Me want Philistine woman now. Bring her here. Well, how's that end? Pretty freaking bad, right? Samson learned his lesson? No. Delilah. Now that's the right Philistine for me. Bring me her instead. And it's so crazy to think about these stories in the Bible, how it wasn't like so-and-so learned their lesson, and now they date Christian women. <laughs> you know, like, they chose to continue even after they had messed up time and time again, and they find themselves in these spots where they shouldn't be. And Samson ultimately dies because of the stupid decisions he made in his life about the women he chose to date and marry. And it's crazy to think that, one, we look through these stories in the Bible, and we think... That we, that we know better. You know, Solomon was a man that God highly respected. Yeah, he made plenty of mistakes, and he still lost God's sight. Samson was a man who at birth was dedicated to the Lord. He thought he knew what he was doing, and yet he lost sight of things. So I think the main point here is that you guys need to understand that God cares about who you date. It's that simple. It's not one of those things where you guys you guys need to be in and, and run your ministries and evangelize and bring more men in. And then when it comes to dating, you, you, got, you got it. You know, you guys can handle it. That's not what God's saying at all. He's saying, I care. I strongly care about who you date. That I made sure that there were plenty of examples in the Bible for you to understand what would happen if you chose not to date the people that I talked to you to care about. And so, we're going to talk just a little bit about why we should date because obviously a lot of times we lose sight of that we lose sight of the reasoning behind why we date and we just want to do it and I'm not going to lie I've, like I said I've fallen in this spot many times in my life where I've looked at the things in my life and I've said 
me and with that girl. Yeah, me, me and with that girl. And I could care less about why I wanted that girl. I just wanted her. Okay? So we're going to talk about some biblical things. Um, number one, the, the main reason that you should ser- that you should date women is to serve God. It's that simple. You want to date women? Well, here's why. You should do it to serve God. You look at Joshua in Joshua 24:15 and he talks about, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And he talks about he talks to his old he, he talks to his nation his army and he says, "You all need to figure out who you want to serve." But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it's so cool to see Joshua sit there and say, he doesn't say, as for me, y'all need to figure out, I'm your leader. I'm going to serve the Lord. You all figure out. He says, as for me and what I've chosen to live with, we are going to serve the Lord. And so many times, it's too late for us. We think that once we get married, we're fine. And that it's gonna, it's gonna. She's obviously gonna serve the Lord. She was a Christian whenever we got married, you know. She wasn't a Christian, but I know if she marries me, like I can, I can make it work. And that, it's, it's just not gonna work. And it's cool to see Joshua say something like that because it's cool to know that Joshua understands his role in the relationship. And a lot of times, us men, we we don't understand our role in a relationship. We don't. Our sole purpose is to serve God. And so we need to make sure that that's our sole purpose in our relationship as well. It's your guys' responsibility in your homes to provide that spiritual growth. It's for you married men as well. I mean, I've only been married for, for two years or so now, and I've already fallen off that track, and I've struggled with that multiple times. It's your job to make sure that your house is led. As for me and my house, we... He made that decision, and you guys need to make that decision too. But we don't. We let the woman take over. And so many times we find ourselves in fights, right? Earth's the battlefield, right? We're here fighting against Satan and all the sin that he's put here on earth. But our home, our home is not intended to be a battlefield. That's our campground. That's where we go for safety security, encouragement, to go back out and fight this fight that we're trying to do every single day in the world on our college campuses. And if you're dating somebody that you're fighting with back and forth about spiritual growth, or you're married to somebody that you're fighting with about purpose and growth in your guys' lives, you will never be effective on this earth. And you're never going to change a soul. And you're going to fall into another statistic. It's your job to serve God. And for some of you married men, you know, you got some challenges ahead of you. Because you chose to marry her. And there's some scriptures that are a little bit different for you guys. But for you guys that are dating, y'all need to figure out if that's what you want to walk into. And you need to figure out if that's where you're at in your, ma- or in your dating relationship. If this is somebody that's going to let you lead them. Um... You know, it talks about in, in Genesis 2.18. We talked about that earlier. The Lord said it's not good for man to be alone. So what does he do? He doesn't make somebody to lead Adam. He makes a helper. He makes a woman that's willing to follow what a man <coughs> is called to do. You know, with, with my wife, some of you, some of you guys know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm part of RCM. 
uh, Winsville, and we're going on a church plant here in uh, this this next school year in August. And I'll be going out as a campus minister, me and my wife. And uh, I'll tell you right off the bat, we my wife was not on board with it. She didn't she didn't want to go. But I knew going into our marriage that if that was something that God called me to do, my wife was going to follow me. And there, there wasn't going to be a fight about it. There wasn't going to be, I'm going to divorce you over it. And there wasn't going to be a me sitting back as a passive man saying, well, I guess I'm not going to go because my wife doesn't want to go. I knew that going into the marriage. And so this time came. And I'm going back to some of my roots that were falling apart years ago. And I have this passion and this drive to go back there and rebuild some things that were lost. But my wife moved out to Lindenwood years ago, and she found a home there. And she found relationships there, and she found love there, things that she didn't have as a kid. And so it's, it's more of a tear for her than it is for me. And she says, I don't want to lose this stuff. I don't want to lose the girls that I have. I don't want to lose the family. All of her family moved out to this area to be closer, her biological family. And now I'm trying to pull her away from that to go back somewhere. I have a one-year-old daughter. She turned she turned one on Friday. We weren't out here last year because she, she was, we, she, my wife gave birth to her. And uh, I'm taking my daughter and building a church that there are slim to, slim to none when it comes to infants. So at first, my daughter's not really going to have anybody to play with and to grow up with at the same age as her. And so when I look at what I've chosen to put myself into, I understand the struggles that I'm going to have as a campus minister. I understand that it's going to be smaller. It's going to be a little bit lonelier. But I understand that there's something that God called me to do, like Joshua. But I also understand that the woman that I picked is going to follow that. So you guys need to figure out if your woman is going to follow that. And the women that you're going to choose to date one day, if they're going to follow that. And vice versa, you got to be the man that that woman's wanting to follow. You can't throw this verse out and throw this little section of our notes out to your girlfriend or whatever and say, I'm the man. You got to submit to me and follow me. Let's go. You know, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't You can't talk to women like that, and you, and you ain't going to get nobody to follow you like that. But ultimately, you've got to be the man that's going to let a woman want to follow you. Now, if I, treated my, if I treated Katie like trash all the time and I didn't ever talk to her and I was only there for sex and I all I wanted to do was just go do my own thing, she wouldn't want to follow me. And we'd have, we'd have a whole other issue going on our foot. But I've chosen to raise myself up as a man who has plenty of struggles, but as a man that's trying to do my best to serve God. And my wife sees that very clearly. So for some of you, this might be a reflection of, well, maybe you're not being the man you need to be. Maybe that's why your wife's not being submissive. Maybe that's why your girlfriend's having a hard time following you. Is she the one that's always challenging you? Is she the one that's telling you you need to serve God? Or is it you? So we've got to serve God. That's our ultimate purpose in life and in dating. Number two, we need to serve others. Your relationship is not to serve each other. It's to serve others. So that means, what do you guys do in your free time? What are you guys doing when you're dating? Are you guys going out and uh, watching movies all the time and going out to restaurants by yourselves and then sitting in the house by yourselves watching movies on TV and uh, dark rooms, lights out, you and your girlfriend? How does God look down on that 
You know, thinking about that. How's God looking down on you and your girlfriend sitting in your basement, with lights out, watching a movie, saying, I'm so proud of him. He's doing what exactly I called him to do. That's the kind of man that I'm very proud of to call my son. Some of us need to think about that. What's your role in your relationship? And we're all guilty of it. I've been guilty of it plenty of times. Your job as a couple is still to evangelize as if you were single. 